0: You are listening to Koinonia Church, Passion for God, Compassion for People. Hello, Koinonia Church. We are moving into a new series, actually just going to be a short series. We're going to speak for the next couple of weeks uh, on the topic of it is well and just talk a little bit about where we're at right now and I, I, I believe where you're at uh, as a church, the things that we're all dealing with and hopefully just give you some handles on how we can uh, move forward and navigate in a world where it just seems like things are out of control all the time, right? How do you walk uh, in faith when you can't see your way forward? Uh, How do you overcome the monster of worry? I mean, those things are uh, things that we're all dealing with uh, today. Today, I want to talk to you about living in uncertain times. Uh, We're going to look at a a story in the Old Testament uh, as our guide. But before we uh, move there, uh, I just want to begin by reminding uh, all of us uh, of what we can be certain of during uncertain times. Uh, The the truth is, is that in our world, it seems like uh, things are changing every every day, right? We we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We don't know what to expect, right? It just seems like things are in flux. Uh, and what is certain what can we rely on is so critical for us to know so so just very quickly let me just give you a couple of thoughts here what is certain in uncertain times well first of all of course god hasn't changed and he's not uncertain we should definitely know that we should we should live there that God never changes, and He's not uncertain about the present or the future. Hebrews 13, 8 says, "'Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever.'" Numbers 23, verse 19 says, "'God is not a man,' and He doesn't lie, right? He's not a human. He doesn't change His mind. He has never failed to speak and then act. Always He carries His promise through, right? We sing this song during worship, uh, Do It Again. Uh, the, the lyrics you know, in part say, your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness, I'm still in your hands, this is my confidence, you've never failed me. And the truth is, is God is never going to fail us. He can't deny his own character. He's faithful and he's true and he never leaves us or forsakes us. Uh, And Jesus is with us, he said, even to the end of the age, which means until uh, we're out of here, right, and with him. Um, For the believer, we have to stand there, right? This is a critical foundational piece every single day, right, where we have to live uh, no matter what's going on around us. No matter what's happening, we can come back to this firm and solid place of our foundation and say he never changes. He's always the same and he's always faithful. So that's the first thing we just need to know uh, in these uncertain times is that God is faithful and he's true. Uh, The second thing I think is that humans don't like uncertainty, right? Just as much as God is not uncertain, we as human beings, we really have a hard time with uncertainty. Humans are creatures of habit, right? We find comfort in the things that we know, the things that we're familiar with routines in our life are like fresh air to us. They give us uh, this kind of, of reassurance, right? We, we feel when we're in our routine uh, less stressed because we find comfort in things that we know. And when our routines are interrupted, uh, it's stressful for us. We, we find ourselves knocked off our game and our ability to cope is challenged. Maybe, maybe if it's just one or two of our routines that are interrupted, we have the space to kind of adjust and to, and to cope. But when everything goes out of the window, or when it feels like everything goes out the window, uh, it really messes us up. We have a hard time with that. And It's just true, true in our world, right? Everything that humans have set up in the world uh, likes certainty. Uh, our economies, the economic markets, they don't like uncertainty because they don't know how to plan, right? It's all about making money. It's all about the future. And so how can you plan for the future? How can you make money if things are uncertain? Governments don't like uh, uncertainty, right? Because uh, they like to be in control. Families don't like uncertainty because it messes up their rhythms. I mean, our our, fa- our kids like routines, our lives like routines. Students, right? Think of our, our students these days, uh, so much of their ability to accomplish work, to learn, to grow, the f- the friendships, all of their routines have been upended. We're just not comfortable in that place. So as much as God is certain and he's okay really with what we perceive as uncertain. We're not okay with uncertainty. And the third thing is this, I want you to know, is that the enemy loves uncertainty because he can use it. You know, because when we're uncertain, what happens is we tend to get confused. We become anxious. We start to live in fear. We start wondering you know, about tomorrow. Uh, we ask the what-if questions. And it becomes, what if this, and what if that, and it never ends. And the enemy loves that. He loves to create that kind of worry and fear because fear ultimately divides, right? There is so much fear today, fear about the virus, fear about the economy, fear about who's in office or who's not in office, fear about all the things that are going on around us. Uh, And that thing of fear is so overwhelming and so powerful that it begins to rip us Apart. First John 4, 18 says that there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, right? The enemy has been taking every advantage that he can to keep us in fear and out of the perfect love of God, right? So what feels uncertain to you today, right? Is it, is it your job? Is it your income? Is it something maybe in your marriage or with your kids? Have you found yourself kind of knocked off your feet and, and you're struggling to find your footing again? Maybe you're dealing with fear, or anxiety, worry, or depression because everything seems so overwhelming and so uncertain. I just want you to know this message today, it's for you, right? We're going to look at a story of a man who faced great uncertainty. All the normal routines in his life were interrupted, but he didn't lose his footing, and you don't have to either. So we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 17. uh, And I want to talk to you for a few minutes about what we can do, what to do when you're uncertain. Uh, And I'm going to pick it up uh, right there in verse 1, 1 Kings 17. If you want to follow along, it'll be on the screen. You can open up your Bible as well. It says this, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord told him. He went to the Kerith Ravine east of the Jordan, stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Verse 10, so he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I might have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in the jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, and we may, that we may eat it She went away, she did as Elijah had told her, so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. (laughs) What a story of God's faithfulness and what a story of the miraculous, right? I, I mean, that, that chapter right there has so much packed in it, it's, it's almost overwhelming. Ravens uh, delivering food. Uh, and of course, I'm not talking about Uber Eats deliver, delivering ravens from Armona. If you're from our area, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's a, a jar of flour and a jar of oil that keeps supernaturally refilling. Uh, it can't be used up. Uh, we serve an awesome God who can do anything. Now, I want to dig in just for a few moments here. I read all of those verses because I wanted that story just to be fresh in your mind. And then we're just going to work through it. I have a couple of thoughts here. I think there there are nuggets that we can draw out that can help us in these uncertain times. How do we walk when we're uncertain? Well, the first thing we need uh, to know and to remember is that God is in charge of the times and the seasons. Verse 1 says, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. God tells Elijah, I'm in control and I'm sending a drought on the land. No, there's not going to be any rain for the next couple of years. I'm the one that has determined this. I'm the one that's in control. And we have to remember that the sovereignty of God is over everything, right? Sovereignty, what is that? It's, it's the quality of having supreme authority or power, when we talk about a sovereign, a king or a queen in a land, they're the one that has all of the power That's that, that represents everything and absolute control over that area. Now we know God is sovereign. Now, the reality is that sometimes our view of God is way too small, right? We, we think of God as in some kind of battle with the enemy. and Sometimes he loses and sometimes he wins. And the truth is, is that's not the way it works at all. Uh, Daniel 2.21 says, he controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars, right? Daniel understood, and we need to understand that God doesn't lose battles. We're the one that lose, we lose battles. God isn't surprised. We're the ones that get surprised. God's not out of control of anything. We're the ones, if anything, are out of control. And here in this moment, God says to Elijah, I'm sending a season of drought. Now, the time period here is about 3000 years ago in Israel. And of course, Israel is very dependent on the rain for its livelihood. If, if it doesn't rain, then your crops aren't gonna grow. You're not gonna have anything to feed your family. You're not gonna have anything to feed your animals. Uh, they don't have canal systems like we do, right? Develop canal systems where we hold uh, water up in the dams and then we bring them down and it's uh, these deep wells where we can pull up water. We, they don't have any of that in this season. But we do know what drought is like here where we live, right? During a drought, Uh, wells dry up, streams stop flowing, uh, the ground starts to subside. It really starts to affect uh, our world. Uh, During a drought, our our normal routines don't work, right? Where our normal expectations don't turn out. How much more so in Elijah's time, right? Where uh, if the rain doesn't come, now you have to invest yourself in trying to get water to your crops, which you're gonna, the only way to do that is by hand, your hand carrying buckets or whatever, to try to keep something growing so that you can survive, right? So everything now has to adjust just so that you can care for your family. All the regular sources, all the normal sources of provision, they they don't exist any longer. Uh, And you have to start your search early in the morning for other ways to provide for your family, for your animals, for all, all that you have. And your normal routines, right, are broken. And if you just keep trying to do them, they're not gonna work. And if you do the normal stuff, ultimately you're gonna end up dying. And so something has to change, right? Oftentimes I find it interesting, we'll, we will invest a lot of energy trying to keep what we have going, right? We'll double down on what we know, what we're familiar with and we'll run ourselves ragged trying to keep things just the way they are before the time of difficulty, before a time of drought, right? Oftentimes we'll say, man, we're going through something, we don't understand, I'll just keep doing what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna, keep, I'm gonna close my eyes, I'm gonna ignore what's going on around me, and I'm not gonna adjust. But we have to, we have to know that in a, in a season of drought, in a season of difficulty, sometimes adjustments are needed. But first of all, we have to remember God is in charge. We'll shake our fists at the sky. We'll say, I can't believe this happened. Where, where are you, God, in all of this? Well, God is right there in the midst of all of it. God is not only aware, but He's in charge. And that's something we need to remember. Number two, God still speaks and always knows what to do. Verse 2 says this: the word, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Right, so in that moment. God had declared there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a season change. There's going to be a drought time, a difficult time. Things are going to turn upside down. Your world is going to come to an end in the way that you knew it. And then he speaks to Elijah and he tells him what to do. Do you know what the Lord wants to speak to you? Uh, The truth is, do you know that the Lord wants to speak to you to begin with? Not only just that, he what does he want to say? It's that the fact that he actually is speaking, which is so important. The Lord wants to direct you, he wants to speak to us, he wants to guide us during the season. And he, in fact, is speaking. Isaiah 30 says this in verse 21 Your own eyes will hear him right behind you. A voice will say, This is the way, walk you in it. This is the way you should go, whether to the right to the left. James one five says, if, if any of you need wisdom, ask a generous God, because He will give it to you. And see, God is waiting for us to simply listen to Him. He's always prepared to speak to us. 3,000 years ago, the Word of the Lord came to Elijah, and the Word of the Lord is still coming to you and to me today. But sometimes we just have to put up our spiritual antennas, right? We have to open the eyes of our heart. We have to listen for his quiet whisper, the still small voice. Um, but we need to have complete confidence that he is speaking, that he is communicating, that he is leading. Now let's just continue in our story uh, there. It, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. In verse three, leave here, turn eastward and hide uh, in the Careth ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Now, God speaks and he knows what to do. There's famine in the land, there's no water anywhere, nothing's gonna come out of the sky, the streams are drying up, all the sources of food and supply have come to an end. And God says to Elijah, I'll keep care of you, just do what I say. Now, can you imagine uh, if God said something like that to you, I mean, just it seems so almost bizarre. I mean, maybe I'm okay, right, with uh, drinking from a brook, from uh, a stream, but I, I don't know. Have you seen the streams around here? I mean, are you familiar that if you drink out of the streams these days, you'll you'll get sick from them? Uh, probably not a good idea. as This whole idea that God has might not be as smart as it seems initially. And, and what's this about? Uh, birds bringing me food. Uh, have you ever had uh, airplane food? Uh, what are they going to fly in? Roadkill? I mean, what are ravens going to bring to me that uh, seems appealing? I don't know. And yet, Elijah doesn't bat an eye. He doesn't worry uh, that God is asking him to do something different than what he's used to. He just obeys. He just goes. Uh, I think ravens are fascinating creatures. If you ever uh, study them at all, uh, just a few words about ravens because it's just so cool. Ravens are one of actually the smartest animals. They're up there with chimpanzees and dolphins, right? They can actually imitate speech right? they're, uh, they can carry, they're huge birds. They can carry up to one and a half pounds on average. Uh, And they're scavengers, right? They they, uh, eat a huge diet and you'll see them around here, the ravens or the crows that we have. And very smart. They maybe fly with the, the walnuts that they get and they'll drop them on the road to crack them so they can eat them. They, they mate for life. They're, they're just really fascinating, fascinating creatures. Do you know what Jesus said about the ravens in Luke chapter 12? We're actually familiar with this verse. We oftentimes don't connect the two. He said, look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for God feeds them. And you, then he says, you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Now, here's the lesson that I want you to miss. Our provision comes from the Lord. James says that every good thing comes down from the Father of lights. But the truth is, is that we have to allow him to provide for us in the way that he wants to provide for us. And that's where we tend to get stuck God says to Elijah, leave here, leave this place. I'm not going to feed you here. Uh, the thing I have for you is actually somewhere else. So you're going to have to move your rear, right? You have to get your butt in gear and you're going to have to go out of the place that you're familiar with, the place you have been, the place that you've been supplied, the place you've experienced my blessing and my goodness, if you're going to experience my provision in this season of difficulty. Now, I'm not saying, of course, that you physically have to move. I mean, you might have to. Maybe that's what the Lord has for you, but what I'm definitely saying is that very often when it comes to a drought season, when it comes to a difficult season, we act more like little kids who stomp their feet and throw themselves down on the ground and throw a temper tantrum than we do like the people of God who trust Him and are willing to follow Him. That that dependence on God is so critical for us. That that takes us to our, our third observation. The, the third point here in your notes is that today's provision has an expiration date. The thing that God has done for you and the way that God has fed you and provided for you probably is going to change in the future. There's going to come a time when it's going to shift. Verse 7 says this, sometime later, we don't know how long Elijah was there, but sometime after some period of time of getting the, the raven delivery uh, mechanism and enjoying the clean water from the stream. It says the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So God's chosen method to provide for Elijah came to an end. God's chosen way, his pathway for them, where he provided richness. I mean, it had a kind of a neat experience, right? Didn't have to go looking for anything. It was right there provided for him. And then one day it stopped. And I just I think we need to remember that God's always trying to teach us to depend on Him completely. He always provides, there's no doubt about it. But the dependence He is teaching His people is not dependence on the provision, but dependence on God. We get those two things confused. One of the most powerful examples uh, of this uh, is the story of the people of Israel, right? When they were wandering in the desert for a period of you know, 40 years, you're probably familiar with the story. But in Exodus 16, it, it tells how the people were complaining to Moses, right? They were so ticked off because now they're in the desert and they're wandering around and they're remembering back to Egypt and they had what they needed and they start to complain to Moses and they said, man, did God just simply bring us out here to the desert to kill us, right? We're hungry, we're worried we don't have enough to survive, at least back in Egypt, even though we were slaves, we could expect to get fed. Isn't it interesting how often we would rather have what is normal to us than we would the, what is best for us? You know, every one of us has a certain level of crazy Uh, We look at other people's crazy. I know you do this too. We look at other people's crazy and we say, uh, they're crazy for putting up with that stuff. I can't believe that they let that happen in their life. But the minute that God tries to mess with your crazy, uh, and you know you got crazy, we start whining and complaining. and We miss the way things used to be. I like my crazy. What are you doing messing with it, God? Exodus 16 verse 4 says then the Lord said to Moses I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough just for that day. In this way I will test them and they'll see whether I'll see whether they follow my instructions. On the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Now this idea of manna, this idea of provision from heaven every day is a fascinating one. And it's this picture of dependence that God was teaching the people of Israel, the same kind of dependence that he wants to teach us today. I mean, here, this manna, the very word means, you know, what is it? It was just the thing that they weren't familiar with. They'd never seen it before. It was every morning it would kind of like come in with the frost, like it appeared as frost on the ground. Uh, and if they waited too long to collect it, uh the sun would get high and it would melt it would just disappear just like the frost disappears Uh, every day. And the way it looked, because we were thinking, well, how did this look? The way it looked is it it, it looked like uh, what they call delium, which is uh, like a sap from a tree or a coriander seed. I'm asking them to put up a a little picture of those things to get a sense, almost like this little sort of seedy thing that they could then pick up. They would grind it into like a flower and make cakes out of it. Uh, But the Lord said, don't try to keep it overnight. If they did, it would actually rot. It would only last for you know, 24 hours, they could not keep it overnight, except for Fridays because Friday's followed by Saturday and Saturday was the holy day, Saturday you didn't work. And so on those days they could gather enough for two days and it would last 48 hours. I mean, talk about dependence on the Lord. You couldn't save it up. You couldn't build it up. You couldn't make sure that you had enough for tomorrow. You couldn't store it in your pantry. It was no good for tomorrow. It was only good for today and there was nothing they could do about it. And then one day it all stopped. <laughs> the day they set foot in the promised land and they began eating the fruit of, the, of that land was the last day that they had that source of provisions, the last day that they saw manna appear on the ground. What's the point here? Well, <laughs> when we're dependent on God for our source, we shouldn't make the mistake of thinking that He isn't going to change the method that he uses to supply our needs. The, the stream and the ravens, man, they were fantastic for Elijah, right? The manna, perfect for what it needed to be, even for 40 years. But there came a day when both of them came to an end, right? And what we often do when God switches it up on us is that we just double down on what used to work, right? We 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 often will just say, no, wait, I, I, this was the way that you were feeding me yesterday, Lord. Can't you just keep doing it? And we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll just keep going right back to that same place, that same routine, that same well. And that often delays us from seeing the new provision that God has for us. It kind of reminds me of the women standing outside of Jesus's tomb. They were going to care for the body of the one who had cared for them, right? Jesus had spoken words of life to them. He'd healed them. Uh, He had fed them. And now he's dead. And the only thing they knew what to to do was to go and to care for uh, his body, to stand at the grave of what had been. And and you know the verse in in Luke chapter 24, it says they went in to the tomb, right? And they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Then the men asked them, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Church, God is is more interested in you being dependent on him than dependent on the way he provided for you yesterday. Don't get caught staring at a tomb when Jesus is offering his Holy Spirit, right? Now, now let's move on to my, my fourth observation here in our outline. Number four, God always supplies more than enough. God always supplies more than enough. Remember the brook had dried up. There is Elijah, the days come to an end, but he doesn't panic because the Lord simply redirects him. In verse eight, you know, it says, then the, the word of the Lord came to him again, the second time, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he goes to that place and he finds the widow and her son and they're about to run out of the last of their food, and they have no hope for the future. But uh, when Elijah shows up, he, he says to them, hey, you know, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, go home and, and cook a small meal. But before you cook your meal, he says, first make a small loaf of bread for me, right? And then make something for yourself and your son. And for this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the lord sends rain on the land and so she does it can you imagine what it must have been like in that moment right to listen to the man of god to make a cake for him when all of your physical senses tell you that you're you're throwing away your last chance for a meal right i mean this this woman She knew how much flour and how much oil she had. Uh, This wasn't her first rodeo, right? It wasn't her first baking job. Uh, She knew exactly how much was needed to make a cake. And yet she was willing and she was obedient. And then there was enough. And there was enough not just for that day, but for the rest of the drought, right? Enough for Elijah and enough for the widow and enough for her son. And the flour and the oil, they didn't run out there was a sufficient supply to sustain them. There was more than enough to get them through. So many around them, I can imagine, were starving, but somehow they were living right in God's perfect provision. A jar of flour and a jug of oil don't seem like much. right? They're just basic essentials, basic ingredients, but the truth is you do a lot of amazing things with a little flour and a little oil. God doesn't need much. A little flour, a little oil reminds me the famous saying, little is much when God is in it, right? Five loaves and two fishes, the little boy there with Jesus and all the crowd of 5,000 plus, and he hands them to Jesus and there's more than enough to feed all of them. They have leftovers at the end. Right? One can chase a thousand; two can chase 10,000. That's God's math. God doesn't need a whole lot to do a whole lot. The prophet Zechariah says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. God doesn't see things the way that we see them. He takes our little and he can do much with it. He takes our last and he uses it as his best. So let me, let me just encourage you, right? Don't despise or devalue what God has given you. Don't compare it to what he has given someone else, right? Your little flour, your little oil, boy, there's a lot that he can do with that. The people of Israel could have said to God, you know, that manna, that would feed a mouse, forget that stuff, right? The little boy could have said, "My, my few loaves and fishes, they're not even worth putting into Jesus's hands. But God isn't limited by our resources or by our understanding. He's only limited by our willingness. Philippians 419 says, My God will supply all of your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Matthew 6, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God always has enough, and He desires to supply all of our needs. Let me ask you, are you uncertain today about the future? I want you to remember God is in charge. We have to trust him. God still speaks and he always knows what to do. Are we listening to him? God's provision often has an expiration date, right? Are we stuck trying to make yesterday's provision work for us today? And finally, God always supplies more than enough. It might look small, but never let us dismiss what God has given us. I, I know and I believe that God has a little flour and a little oil for you. It, it might require for you to listen more carefully, trust more deeply. It might require you to let go of what worked yesterday. But He has it. He has it for you. Don't spend time worrying about tomorrow. He'll take care of tomorrow. Don't spend time trying to eat yesterday's manna. It was good for yesterday, but today's a new day and God has new provision for us. Church, if we will trust Him, if we will simply believe and receive the provision that He has for us, He will always lead us, He will always provide for us. And though the certainty of the uncertainty is real, even though we're uncertain about many things and about tomorrow and what's gonna happen. The truth is we don't have to be worried, we don't have to be concerned, we don't have to be panicked because His provision is always enough. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I believe that you have a little oil and a little flour for each of us. I know that your provision is complete and total and sufficient for our needs. I know that you love your people And I just pray right now that you would open up the windows of heaven to provide for the needs of your people. Lord, where we have begun to doubt, where we have stopped trusting you, where we have become full of fear, anxiety, depression or or worry, I just ask, Lord, that you would come and you would comfort us and you would give us peace in this moment and you would refocus our attention back to you. Help us to trust you Lord, you always provide, you always lead, you never fail, you're always faithful. And so I just pray today that you would help us to be dependent on you. Forgive us for getting out uh, of line with you, for going to other things, for looking at yesterday's provision and for not listening for today's direction. I just pray God that you would quicken us, quicken your people to hear your voice, to keep our eyes on you and to let you feed us day day by day by day. Keep us, Lord, keep your people in the perfect provision that you have for them. I pray that each one, Lord, would have this sufficient supply and that would not only bless them, but it bless those around them and their every need, Lord, you would keep care in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at kchampford.com and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.